Shut up and sit down. everyone um sorry i uh girl scout cookies i um i got a mouthful of girl scout cookie but it didn't chew as fast as i thought it would or i didn't chew as fast as i thought i would so i had a mouthful of mamoa Not the mouthful that I would truly appreciate, but <laughs> but it'll do. <laughs> um, wow, I already earned my R rating, I think. Anyway, good not good evening. I hope you guys had a fantastic weekend. Um, everybody has submitted their project files for April, so congratulations on that. We are essentially a week out from april's um rough trade um it's not this monday but next monday is the first day of rough trade so looking forward to that if you're um if you're a reader you might want to go check out the project files so you can read the the pre the the stuff that came before this because this is a sequel challenge so everything on the site has um fiction already attached to it so you want to go catch up so that you're ready to go when these guys start writing. Some are short, some are long. So, you know, plan accordingly if you haven't been reading already. Um, Tonight we're going to take the unicorn, the NCIS unicorn, on uh, on an adventure in Hawaii. Um, So we're going to get started um, and put Julie on. I have one little... um, uh, uh, housekeeping thing okay um, right for the, right for the podcast i was i got an email through my site um that's from a not a, a bounce the email address i replied to it bounced back and the ip address is from a vpn server so uh presumably this person actually didn't really want a real response from me um but basically the the gist of it was they were wondering if um i had claimed art yesterday. And I thought I had addressed this, but maybe I didn't, and I mentioned it online, but no, I did not. Um, there was a bit of a hint of accusation in here, and I guess people people who had wanted to claim didn't get to. We ran out. We had more artists than we had stuff for the rough draft. But no, I did not claim, and I didn't plan on claiming unless we had a hard time matching up a project, because it would be dodgy for someone who has um, control of the claims that are being done anonymously and can see who wrote everything to claim art, and I recognize that. So no, I did not claim art yesterday. So and I, I didn't mentally either, but I wasn't. You. I'm not an artist anyway. I mean, well, you know, I'm I'm a I'm on the pitch hit list for you know if we need to do banners, but I didn't claim either. If that was a question. So no, crazy one people claimed because you know. I'm sorry if someone's butt hurt because there weren't enough stories, but I, you know. Actually, I'm not. Our people did 
really good getting 25 stories in by the rough draft deadline. And um, if someone had wanted to claim art and they didn't get to, there will be another opportunity in May. And uh, your butt hurt is not my problem. Well, I think that I think that the issue is that we were doing the claims anonymously so that I've seen people get really their feelings hurt around being late claimed, um, whether for art or for story, and we just wanted to avoid that. So we were trying to do it anonymously so that it could just be handled behind the scenes and that people would not have that anxiety of, is my story getting picked? And that if we had anything that was a little bit difficult to match up, um, that we could do it behind the scenes and nobody would be on the spot feeling bad about things. So that's why we chose to do it the way we did it. But yes, I would have had insider information no matter how we did it because I handled all the rough draft submissions and curated too. We were the ones who processed the rough drafts, which all went in the trash. Um, but yes, we know who all the authors were. So it is like an insider kind of thing. And so I wasn't planning to claim um, unless we just didn't have enough artists come to, this, come to the party. But we had plenty of artists come to the party, so there was no need for me to, to step in and take art um, to take a story to do art for because we had plenty of artists who wanted to be participate in the challenge. So, um, yeah, it, well, actually, everything was everything was handled except for like one story that I had to hunt down, um, like try to get a couple things handled in the first two hours. So we, we had done logistics on one story for a couple hours that would have been claimed earlier in the challenge, except that. It's just the way that the of the claims went. So anyway, it just hmm. I don't know. All so I just wanted stories to be got got picked, but those artists also had other. It just it worked out. But everybody has um, assigned art who did the twenty five who were in the twenty five. Um, mm-hmm. And we had more. I got somebody I had never worked with before, so that will be interesting. Yeah. Um, and I got, um, and no, I did not get to pick my artist. No, is that going to be we a question as well? Neither one of us got it to pick our was artist. First come, first serve. Um, so we handled it. I handled it. We we both handled things. Kira, was, Kira, I was online for the when the live claims were happening, and Kira was helping me with logistics, um, straightening out the logistics later and hunting down um, one additional artist. Um, so, yeah, it just, <laughs> it, it, I've tried to be really transparent um, about this whole process, but I knew once we decided to do an anonymous claim that it would be better if I didn't take art, so t- or claim a story, unless we got like 24 hours and we hadn't had any people. But we had... We had more people submit claims than we had pieces of art to do. So um, it, it didn't come up as being an issue at all. So, yeah. Um, yeah, look, look, folks, at this point, if you if you want to talk about your stories at this point, that's up to you. Um, the super secret thing was getting to the art claims, right? If you haven't submitted for the – if you're going to submit for the claims in May – we still would rather you try to keep a lid on it, you know, but, you know, 
at this point, it's up to you if you're going to talk about it, although there is an element of fun in revealing um, what you're up to in, 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 later in the challenge. So how, how you handle it at this point is up to you. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to make sure there was complete transparency about how we handled the art claims. We did them on a first-come, first-served thing. It's certainly in the case of a couple of matchups would have been easier if we hadn't done it that way. <laughs> but... That is not the way it went down. So, and and no, I did not leverage my position, which was the way it was phrased, um, to claim art. Mhm. Yeah, I'm trying to be nice about the whole thing, but I'm a little bit irritated. Okay. And we have one person who's um, one person in the in the challenge tonight uh, here in the podcast who did who submitted for art claims and she didn't get it, didn't get a piece and she volunteered to be a pinch hitter and has been a super um, good sport about the whole thing and I appreciate that very much everybody who was a good sport not everybody was okay so you there I'm there I'm she here another, but I'll also say, I'll say, like, uh, I do have one more cookie left because I got myself three as a treat. Um, so I have one left and I'm kind of saving it. Um, anyways, uh, while Jilly is a nice one, let me get real with you for a second, for a hot second. Um, the quantum bang belongs to us. It was our idea. It's our execution, our hard work. Um, our money here and there mm-hmm. paying for things. Um, so um, if you don't like the way we do things, you can kiss our ass, my ass at the very least and go fuck yourself because for real, yeah. what? No, no, we were yeah. very fair. Um, if we weren't very fair, I actually, well, I don't want to say anyways, um, We were very fair. Yeah, yeah. We were very fair. And honestly, you know, the whole thing is um I, I guess there was just some 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 little bit of accusation that we used the anonymous thing to to um to our advantage or something. I don't know. That's just like the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But anyway, um the everything I have done about the way where where we have strayed from typical um bang formats and typical bang execution is based upon my own experience of where people have gotten their feelings hurt and I am just trying to avoid drama and hurt feelings and because I don't want anybody feeling bad you know no one wants to nobody wants that feeling of being like the last one picked right but sometimes you know you can be like on every author's list and still wind up being the one that's left out left over I think one story was like on 10 people's list that's like you know like 40 percent of the um Artists submitting wanted this story. It was on their list somewhere, and yet they were one of the last ones I matched up because it's just the way it was. Oh, the way out. it was on the list. I think that yeah. next year, or like the next yeah, next year, that instead of giving um, a list in priority, like I want this one first, that we should just ask them just to give us a list of things that you want in no particular order. <laughs> That way it's a little easier to match. I mean, you know, 
Yeah. Look at this I mean, list. But yeah, what would you do art for? <laughs> yeah. Um, and most people were really flexible. Um, some people were, their limitation was more around fandom. It's like, well, of the things that are left, I, I don't know this one fandom, and I prefer to stick with the fandom I know. So we tried to, you know, with, with, the, with the last few matchups, you know, there was a little bit of, like, push-pull, like, how do we get there? Um, there were, I think, like, three stories I had identified that if they didn't get claimed within 24 hours, which was a sort of my benchmark, that I was like, I'm definitely, those are on my list. That's my hit list right there. I want, I would love to do art for those stories. <laughs> but I was going to give it 24 hours before I jumped in. <laughs> but it didn't wind up being necessary, so... Yeah, people. We are... were done in what five hours? Yeah, it was like you know no, the last uh, the last email no went out at the four hour mark. It was it was crazy. It was done really quick. And also, a lot of times, I think people want the art claim, or they want the art so they can read the story. Um, well, we read all the stories. <laughs> well, we have access to all the stories. We could have read them instead of just confirming. Could have. I'm just saying. Yeah, I. I... I didn't. I mean, actually, several people, I think, to kind of, like, they kind of, like, gave, like, peremptory permission. If you guys want to read it, you can. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'd rather read the story the way you want it read, which is the final draft. But, yeah, we had them all there, but, you know, I just... Yeah, there were a couple that were actually really tempting. Um, Yeah, I read a couple of those summaries, and I was like... I was like, damn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to get in there. Really good. But, you know, I'm just saying that if that was motivation behind claiming art, we could have totally already done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that really isn't the thing, you know? Yeah. It was, just, it, was just, it was just a bizarre thing that somebody's butthurt enough about the thing to think that I would leverage my um And to get behind the VPN. So to be to be a total coward about it is really ugly. I mean, I'm just saying, you know. At least give me a real email address so that I can tell you off. Um, so yeah, no, I just we the the the, the, the private the, the anonymous claims was strictly about not wanting anybody to have anxiety or feel bad about the way that about the way the claiming process went, and um, if. If you misinterpreted that and saw something nefarious in it, I really can't help you. Maybe next year we should just like um, pull authors and artists together in fandoms and then just randomly draw and say, okay, this is your artist. Well, I mean, it it worked great. It's just there was a minor, there was like a little bit of juggling at the end. I, I the, the anonymous, the only thing the anonymous did, I felt like, was it cut me out of claiming. Because if it had been public, I wouldn't have hesitated to wait a half hour and put in an art claim. Um, but because it was anonymous, I felt like it did cut me out of the running. So, but that's not a big deal. I'm, I know I'm going to wind up doing art. <laughs> I'm just like a, I'm mentally, because we're going to hook, you know, we're going to get a team of art reservists for people who finish late to try to hook them up with collages or mood boards or something so that they have some art to go with their story, even if they don't make the claim in May. So I'm going to be doing something at some point. I'm not worried about it. So I'm not like, like, you know, like butthurt about the fact that I couldn't claim. That wasn't it at all. So it's, but I did cut myself out once I, um, went to an anonymous claim, um, but I felt like it was a, a kinder thing to do for everybody. So, 
I thought so too, and that's so, actually my idea. So if anybody has a problem it, with it, um, yeah, Kira said let's just do it anonymous, and I said oh, okay, that's a good idea. Because you know it's it, it, it's supposed to be about creating something awesome together. It's not supposed to be about making people feel bad or you know it, causing anxiety over whether story not being claimed or being claimed last or anything like that. So just 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 chill out, assholes. Yeah. Or and Jay also said for in a chat, note, own your asshole. <laughs> for those people who aren't particularly aware of how much power a person has over the back end of WordPress, which um, all of our sites are run on, let me give you a little thing. If even if we had done public claiming and approved all of the comments. Either one of us could have gone into the server level and edited the timestamp on any single comment on the site to manipulate the the findings. So whether it was public or private, we had absolute total control over that. So having yeah. it pr- public wouldn't have made any difference whatsoever. As yeah. far as but you I mean, thinking that we would but- be nefarious and try to manipulate shit. Because yeah. it could have easily been manipulated... Anyway, because the um, yeah, and when and also like the first ten comments had the exact same timestamp, so right, but whatever. People are just people just like to look for a reason to complain. Um, uh, one of the the I was talking to the moderator of the uh, the person who runs the Double O Q Reverse Bang, and they did they do an anonymous art claim. Apparently, like an artist got. Uh, this is this is the reverse bang. So it's the reverse, but an artist got butthurt about not being able to watch the claims. Um, presumably, I guess because they wanted to see how fast their their art got claimed. I don't know. It feels like an ego thing, but whatever. Um, people are just very odd sometimes. That's and absolutely if you're true. Like- we do not have any rules about what um, art gets used on your story um, beyond the fact that you do have to use the art that's made for your story by the artist you're matched with. But if you get extra art, you can use that too. It's whatever. Yeah. If, 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 I mean, I get art all the time from my work. It just goes on my site. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, People might send you, read your story and go, I really, really want to do art for this story and send you extra art. And yes, you can use it, but you just can't post it on the QB site if it's not your QB artist. That's the only thing. That's like the end of the rule is if it's not your matched Quantum Bang artist, you cannot put it on the Quantum Bang site because we're not going to host art from random other people. Why would we? Right. That would be, that would be a fuck ton of space. But um, I yeah. plan to put my story on my own site anyway. So, you know. Ditto. So, but yeah, folks, it's, just, it's, it's not worth being um, anxious or, or butthurt about or anything. It's all going to turn out well in the end. And um, I, 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 I try to do this as above board as I possibly can, but there are some things we do keep, you know, kind of behind the veil because we don't want people's feelings to get hurt. It's just not, this is, a, it, the thing about creativity is that it feeling like your creation is being judged harshly can make you feel bad. So we're just trying to help insulate people from that. 
And if someone is not getting what they want or they're not feeling like their ego is getting stroked enough, well, that's really not my problem. Go run your own challenge. Uh, we have the same problem in rough trade. There are a lot of people who don't like the fact that I moderate comments. Um, and there were some who were really bad out of shape when I took rough trade private for a year. Um, they, they didn't feel comfortable. One that actually told me she didn't feel comfortable posting in a locked environment. And I'm like, I don't understand that, but okay, good luck. Bye. Because that was my decision. And I was just that we were getting a lot of crap and it's calmed down. And I think people have gotten used to what rough trade is, but at the time I was getting so much grief about stories that would disappear off rough trade that I was like, fuck it. I'm going to make all your links not work ever, ever again, because I got, I just got so bent and I was just like, I can't, I can't with this. And then I did, and I did eventually open rough trade back up after it calmed down, but um, I'm never not going to moderate comments on rough trade. It will always be moderated, and your sub and your comments are always subject to editing. Period. People are such strange little potatoes, aren't they? It's, I think it does boil down to ego and attention, um, and they don't care what kind of attention they get. I do. Yeah, there are some. People, I, I agree. Who they don't, they don't care if people critique their work. They don't care what shitty things people say. The more comments, the better, as far as they're concerned. Um, we don't have time to poll as much as what almost sometimes we have close to ninety authors for their moderation preferences. Can you imagine trying to keep track of that? This person's okay with questions. This person's okay with shitty comments. This person's okay with critique. This person's okay with having their typos pointed out. <sighs> my skin had almost come all the way home and now it's run for Florida again. <laughs> but no, I am not, not, not dog. That, that's just not how that's ever going to work. And if you don't want to participate in rough trade, then don't, it's not a requirement. We stopped strong arming people into rough trade. Like, I don't know, a year ago. <laughs> yeah. Easily. Easily. But I don't think a lot of readers understand how stressful Rough Trade looks because you guys make it look easy. Um, but Rough Trade's not it. Rough Trade posting your work, your work rough um, in the raw, so to speak, um, can be very challenging for some people. It can be the equivalent of appearing naked in public for some people. That is not a guilt trip, lady holder. If you don't want to participate in rough trade, you don't have to. Duh. No, I'm serious. I didn't sign you up, did I? I didn't produce a project file for you, did I? Because I could have. I could have even put your name on it. Acted like you posted it. What do you mean you didn't I post was- it? I would just like to, I would just like to point out that manipulation, bribery, that kind of thing is not the same thing as a guilt trip. Right. I have never I, I, I don't I don't guilt trip people. <laughs> but manipulation is definitely in my wheelhouse. I haven't even cried. Crying would be a guilt trip. Oh yeah. 
Um, but I'm just saying Gentle coercion. That, you know, What's a little coercion? In November, in November, when Jillian and I are doing our specific prompt, and you're not there to do it with us, that it might give us some feelings. But that's a good month to eat your feelings, because, you know, of November, lots of Thanksgiving food, cakes and pies. Never against your will, because I'm 100% in the belief of consent. <clears throat> Consent's important. <laughs> Consent is important. <laughs> Anyways, tonight we're going to plot drift, eventually. Um, <laughs> straight into the mothership, which Lady Holder is not a supporter of. And we overlook this. We we are we we overlook this this, this flaw that, that you have, Lady Holder. You know, I can't figure out what the ship is there that's that's inter that's in, that's interfering with her her mother shipping. I don't know. I mean, not watching the show. Who needs to watch shows? You don't watch any shows. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, you know. See, she, she, threw out, she, threw she threw out a bullshit excuse first about not watching the show when we shouldn't watch any TV shows. But apparently it's that she ships Tony Ian. And <sighs> I ship that as well, but mothership. <laughs> and snipership. I'm aboard the snipership too, absolutely. So there are a couple of ways to approach um, Tony having a relationship with John McGarrett. Um, the first being that he's the, the police officer that, that um, finds him in the hotel. Man, Az is really, really on this whole lip thing. She just She just can't let go of the lip thing. She just got to think about lips. She's got lip issues. We, we've just learned to let She's it go. She's got lip issues. Yeah. Yeah, mothership is what we call Tony Dinozo, Steve McGarrett. We called it that. It, it caught on. Um, it, it's not like it's an official, like, terrible, one of those terrible name matchup things that they do. I feel like it totally is an official ship. I, I, I think we should go I, over to AO3. And make them tag all Tony Steve ships mothership. Yes, I, I wish we could. <laughs> would you tag this mothership? That would be great. He has an upper lip. <laughs> <laughs> His lips are perfectly ser- serviceable. For fuck's sake, as for fuck's sake, you you won't give everybody else lip issues. Shit. <laughs> okay, keep calm. There's a there's a corner, and if you make me snort tea up my nose during this podcast, you have to go in the corner by yourself. 
or with whoever else I put in there during the podcast. Um, so okay, so first the um, see he has a lip; it's just kind of thin. Stop picking on Lee Diamond Phillips. Anyways, um, Julie, are you there? I am here. I am here. I'm just talking. I was. I was just off, talking. I was, off looking for an, I was off looking for an image to prove that he had an upper lip, but somebody beat me to it. And thank you, people, for he's not. I'm just. I'm not even with. I'm not even. I can't even with her. Okay, I love that. I love that picture <laughs> screen grab. That is from Numbers. It is uh, from. I believe that's from Sniper Zero, but it might have been that one out in the desert. I am saving um, that. That no, that's not on a. That definitely belongs on some kind of um, prompt. Yes, it does. Um, okay. So, yes, we, so let's back to John McGarrett. So, Tony could have met him when he was a kid. Um, I wrote that in one of my episodic things um, that Tony knew John when he was a kid because Tony went to John's funeral. Um, (laughs) I'm getting lost on my own computer. You know, I have a folder called New Writing, right? That's what it's called. The newest thing in my new writing folder is from 2007. I think I need to relabel that new writing folder. You might want to relabel it the old writing. (laughs) (laughs) Writing old as dirt. (laughs) Writing archives. Writing archives. Yeah, ancient history. Shit, I'll just call it shit I am never going to revisit. Um. (laughs) <laughs> New writing from the aught. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> um, McGarrett saves Tony. Um, I wouldn't. Mm, that's kind of like. I mean, I mm, like Steve saves Tony. I have one of. I have one. I think one, maybe two of those. But in terms of Tony saves John McGarrett, um, you could have John and Tony know each other. So you got this. So two decision points: John and Tony know each other, or they don't, right? And then there's another decision point, which is that Steve and Tony know each other. Um, so both, I mean, they're really different approaches if if, if they're strangers. So. If they, if John knows Tony, the question is from where. Um, it could have been from childhood, or maybe because Tony moved to the island, and he's crossed paths with John while John was working for the HPD. Yeah, yeah. Um, it depends on how yeah, much the, meaning you want to give his relationship with with John McGarrett. If he's just a law enforcement um, friend that he because Tony knows a lot of cops. Um, maybe he worked with John um, on a case at some point or, you know, there was a fugitive that ended up in Hawaii that was, you know, that or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think, 
I think if I were to write this story now, um, uh, I wrote the John the Tony the, the John Save Tony as a kid thing back in 2017 um, for Rough Trade back when we did the episode challenge. Um, I think I probably would go a different way that he doesn't know him from childhood since I've already done that one once. Um, that would be really interesting. Is okay. What, what if would... when Vance split the team, instead of putting Tony on the ship, he took he sent him to Hawaii, and Tony had no interest in coming back. So he's at the Pearl office. Now, if Steve is hunting the Hess brothers, that's because they've done things that have intersected with the Navy in some way, which would mean that there is an NCIS case file on the Hess brothers. Right, because if they're hunting the Hess, I would think Hess, I would think they were doing it on behalf of NCIS. Right. right. Well, so because if there's someone because- really on their game at Pearl, like Tony. I want to know how Victor Hess got on got on the island without no one knowing. Yeah. Did he come in on a ship? Did he come in on a plane? Did he come in on a false ID? You know, how did he get there? Yes, it is an island, but it is also part of the United States. And there's the Coast Guard, there's a heavy Navy presence. How did Victor Hess get on the island with no one knowing about it? Because I don't see how a boat of any sort gets that close to Pearl Harbor anyone is not supposed to be there outside of a leisure craft and even the leisure craft I think that when you get that close to Pearl I mean well he wouldn't have been but he would have been in the water that close to the base and how long I mean how far out do they pay attention to that as far as like um well they would have to pay really close attention to it um in hawaii because um international water is all is not far from the island in every direction so the point about it being an island is well taken but it's also an island surrounded by international water in every fucking direction which means there's the potential for um, international craft to be landing in U.S. territory, which is something they would be monitoring very closely because they don't want, obviously, international craft. Yes, Hawaii is well, Yes, Hawaii islands. is multiple we islands. We're this aware. island. Well, yeah, but I mean, because drug this, smuggling happens, but how far would a craft have to be off the shore for someone to come in as a scuba diver? So I'm not saying Victor Hess is really fit. He goes into the water, what, three, four miles offshore? Could he make that swim? Well, Steve could, because Steve's a Navy SEAL. 
provided he doesn't get eaten by a shark. But more so than his, uh, even if Victor made it on the island, he hasn't been on the island unremarked. Somebody is going to know he's there. And they do make color things. I just okay. don't think so it would be I'm, all I'm, that I'm easy gonna, to I'm come gonna, out of international waters and and come into American soil. Um, I just don't think it would be that easy, considering how much investment we put into the Coast Guard as far as like drug tra- you know, drug trafficking and all that stuff. Especially when there's a Navy base right there. Um. So I'm gonna. So I think maybe we should. Everybody's getting even the chat room getting really derailed into the logistics of how easy it is to sneak <laughs> into Hawaii. Um, I would think if it was as easy as as people are making it out to be, that um, um, there would be a lot more people sneaking onto Hawaii. But in any case, it's kind of it, it's it's a it's a rat hole that's not worth going down any further. Um, so, I don't think it'd be really easy for the most part to land on any shore in America. Boats coming out of international waters, getting all the way to the shore, that whole wet foot, dry foot thing, isn't as easy as it's made out to be on TV. I do think he would have a better chance of landing on a smaller island, even with like a charter plane where the people could be bought off. A lot easier than saying a major, a, a major island in it, and he could island hop. Yeah. Because honestly, if it's that easy to come on shore from a boat, then. We have a bigger immigration problem along every single part of our shore on both sides of the country than we ever will <laughs> at the Mexican border. Because <laughs> that is a lot of supposedly unguarded sand, okay? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm sure the Anyways. people who do, I'm, I'm sure the people who do. Like human trafficking and that kind of thing, who are which is in Hawaii Five O canon, the human trafficking thing that was like their pilot episode, um, had some human trafficking aspects. Are the same people who can figure out how to sneak something on the island. So I could easily see that Victor Huss could get on the island. I just don't think he could run around engaging in criminal activities without the criminal element knowing he's there. And if the criminal element knows he's there, somebody else knows he's there, because criminal informants are a thing. So his 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 presence on the island shouldn't have been unremarked for very long, no matter how stealthily he managed to get on the island with his, you know, 10 nautical mile um, underwater personal propeller thing, whatever. He, his, he didn't stay there unremarked for very long. So in theory, you guys, if Tony's been there for a while. You guys are going into the strangest research rat hole I have ever seen during a podcast. <laughs> Stop it. I think I do think that um I do think that if Tony was on the island that he would have already cultivated some resources um 
and he if you know what always bothered me about this whole thing how did the Hess brothers know who Steve was well that's a really good question how did they know because Navy Seals is supposed to be secret because Steve was in fugitive recovery, right? And prior to that, he was in, unless they'd already arre- he'd arrested them before. Hadn't had he had he arrested them before? No, I don't know. But they both knew who he was, and that seems a little hinky. I thought Navy Seals were supposed to be a secret. Yeah, but why were they casing John? Because they knew about Steve. How did they know about Steve? Victor, yeah, Victor knew. They were casing John because Victor knew that Steve had Anton. But how did Wofat even know that Steve McGarrett was a Navy SEAL and that he was doing fugitive recovery? Because that's the kind of shit they don't tell anybody. Navy SEALs don't even have faces when it comes to, like, identity paperwork and stuff. I mean, they're like... They're supposed to be the elite, the top. You're not supposed to know who they are. I remember there's a scene in the movie Navy Seals where they're rescuing somebody, um, and she's thanking them for rescuing him, rescuing her or him or her, and they say, "We were never here." Because SEAL teams were supposed to be secret. So I, you know, it's always bothered me that they knew who Steve was. How the hell did they know who Steve was? Even if he had arrested them before, they shouldn't have been able to get his name. Yeah. Well, from doing just some quick reading here, um, I think that there is like one unit of the SEAL who even, who even their um, – Identities are the identities are classified, but apparently the methods that seals use um, are not considered national security. But they're, you're, but anybody, most seals are welcome to tell the people, their friends and family, what they do. So apparently, it can't be that classified if you can tell your friends that you're a Navy SEAL. So. But there was that other show that focused on that other team of type of Navy SEAL who does more classified, like wet works type stuff. Um, it was weird because, like, they all had beers and stuff. It's because they have to all be able to maintain covert identities and stuff. Um, they're not openly in the Navy, that kind of thing. So I would think it would matter what your function is in the SEALs. But anyway. Um, yeah. But Victor Hess was not military personnel. He was not friends with people that knew John McGarrett. Um, and would John McGarrett be the kind of person to run around telling people that his son's a Navy SEAL? I don't think so. No, but if you can tell people you're a SEAL to the level that you can tell your friends, if it's that casual, it wouldn't be the hardest thing for people to find out. True enough. But I just, it seems, that it always seemed a little hinky to me that that they knew enough about Steve McGarrett to hold his father hostage. Yeah, they my, knew my, my, who was hunting them. My gut is that they have had a leak in Navy intelligence who who told them, and that could, could actually be um, a, a point in the plot, which is that um, 
NCIS finds out about a leak from Navy intelligence that they're investigating. Yeah, I did that in the short. Which short? That he was, there was somebody, um, uh, I mean, the the reason no, no, it was in the, I did some, I did some, I have to go look. I did it in, um, Steve ends up at NCIS headquarters before he goes on his mission to um, to oh, arrest right, right, Anton. Right, 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 right. Um, um, it's called. I remember, I remember uh, that Small one. favor. He, it's called small favor. He's called into. He's called into NCIS to to he thinks to answer questions or something, and they Tony has a conversation with him. I remember that one. Yeah, and it's uh, because. <laughs> yes, Tony debriefed Steve officially. If NCIS is investigating a leak at Naval Intelligence and um, and they specifically find out that Steve's cover has been compromised, um, or that his not even necessarily his cover, but that his mission parameters have been compromised, um, that would certainly that could easily be something that would take take Tony to Hawaii, or if he's already in Hawaii, he could have been the one who caught the case. I like that idea that that he is there and he um yeah I like that idea I, I'm on a personal mission to save John McGarrett ever since I you know Steve cried over it <laughs> <laughs> um, the team isn't what why the team was broken up at NCIS. Well, there was no the mole. Uh, they were yeah, they were broken up um, ostensibly so that Gibbs could find. It, it, I say ostensibly because none of that made sense. Um, it didn't make sense that that they would have to send the team off to um, a billion directions to conduct a mole hunt. That just was the most bizarre thing I've ever read. Um, that was at the beginning of season six. The breakup was at the end of season five, and so that was the beginning of season six. So um, anytime prior to when Steve comes on the island, you've got a good window of opportunity between, you know, to get Tony there. It could happen. He could have declined to go be agent afloat. Yeah, he could have actually been working for HPD and been John's partner. Um, there's a lot of different ways you could maneuver Tony onto the island so that he's well entrenched there. He could just be pursuing a lead about something, some weapons tra- trafficking, which that's what Victor and Anton Hess did, right? They were, they were, they were gun runners, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So he could be pursuing a lead about some weapons smuggling, and he comes across. He's following. He realizes he's found Anton Hess, and he's watching him, um, and the house that they go to that he follows Hess to is John McGarrett's house. It could be like a, a very like coincidental thing. And it's like very immediate where he is following Hess based on a lead and he calls in and he looks up the, you know, the, who, who owns this place and find out, finds out it's an HPD officer. And that would have to raise some significant red flags right there. Well, NCIS was already looking for Hess. That was that's canon. They have to be. Steve was out arresting the Hess brothers. It would have to be because NCIS wanted them, because the Navy 
in and of themselves, without NCIS, doesn't run around arresting, you know, weapon smugglers. I don't think. I mean, that's what NCIS is about, right? They're the um, law enforcement arm of NCIS. So, Earlier, you said something about you know people noting that Victor was on the island. Um, you've got a built-in informant in um, Kamakono um, who's more than willing to um, to turn in a bad guy. Um, mm-hmm. And at that time, you also have um, Chen not in the HPD. Well, what if Kamakono goes to Chen and says, "Hey, um, there's a bad guy on the island, and he was asking information about McGarrett." Now, Chin knows John McGarrett really well. Um, so, he wouldn't want to go to the HPD personally because they probably wouldn't believe him. But what if somebody called in an anonymous tip to the HPD saying that Victor Hess was on the island and he's wanted by NCIS? Um, And that tip gets followed, gets thrown to NCIS at Pearl. That could work. If Tony's been on the island long enough, he could also have culti- cultivated his own informants. Um, mm-hmm. And he and Kamakona together could be quite uh, entertaining. I like the idea of Kamakono and um, Tony being friends. Like, to the point where Kamakono kind of befriended Tony against his will. He's like, dude, I can't hang out with you. You're a criminal. No, it's cool, bro. Have some have some shrimp. <laughs> is, this a, is this a bribe? No, it's shrimp. <laughs> You're paying for it. <laughs> you owe me $5. I don't know. There is a Yakuza presence, but I wouldn't call the the Yakuza a mob. No, and I also wouldn't call what Tony has with the mob connection. (laughs) He has a history with the mob, but he doesn't have have connections. Eat enough, you don't have a good tan, you're working too much. He could, like, totally mom Tony. It would be great. Yeah, he could start off. Tony goes in for some information, and Kamakona like tries to make him, you know, like work his shave ice shave ice booth for um, like a couple of hours. And Tony's really digging it. He's like, "I'll come back next weekend if you want." <laughs> this shit's really good. And then Kamakona just like totally judging the fuck out of him for how badly he surfs and hooks him up with the surf teacher. Let me teach him how to actually surf right. <laughs> Although I think I have, I, like, now I have this moment where it's like when McGarrett's like trying to talk to Dinozo or something when he comes to the island. Um, Kamakona's like, that's my Hallie. What the heck? Go get your own. <laughs> <laughs> What are you doing? Don't get him dirty. <laughs> I just got him shipped up. <laughs> I just got him, I got him broke by in. those designer jeans. Uh, 
Now, I think Tony is actually the kind. Uh, see, there's a difference between Tony and and Danny when it comes to um, being a cop. Um, whereas Danny seems determined to assimilate. I think Tony would go whole hog. He would blend oh, yeah. in like a native inside a year. It, it, it's just his nature. Yeah, because if, if he was determined to stay in, in suit and tie, he he wouldn't have adapted on the on the um, on the Seahawk. And he was clearly in casual clothes. Um, and then he was blending in when he was in um, Mexico. Every time he went to Mexico, he just adapts really quickly to his environment. I look at the suits always as being um, more – now here – okay, i got to address that Magnum thing. Don't let me forget to address the Magnum thing. Um, I always look at the, suit, the, the suits as being more armor than, um, than, a, than something he personally wanted to wear all the time. Magnum. It, I don't even know what to do with the fact that they stuck Magnum PI in the NCIS universe. It totally fucks me up because now I'm wondering about all those fucking references. You know, like we're retconning all of Tony's Magnum references throughout the years. It's like, was he talking about an actual person <laughs> as opposed to Magnum PI? So, yeah, so I, I – I actually don't think I could have Tony making Magnum references now that Magnum is part of the um, NCIS universe, the bigger NCIS universe. It just it totally messed yeah. me up. It's annoying. Well, in universe, um, but Magnum wasn't actually functioning as a PI in Hawaii until the last couple, like two or three years would have been. So around 2017 right. or so. So at the time that Tony was making those references, he couldn't have been talking about a legit person. Um, Magnum wasn't on the Hawaii. wasn't on Hawaii at the time, though. Magnum no. was. Um, Magnum was in uh, with a POW. It would have been a POW at the time, I think. So that was gonna work. Um, I don't I don't fuck with timelines with shows that are in the same universe. But ever, what's really ever, interesting ever. actually is that in the Magnum show, um, both the I don't know I don't actually remember this plot detail from the original, but in the new one, um Robin writes books based on Magnum's experiences. Yeah. So Magnum is Magnum. Both a fictional character and a real person on the show. <laughs> right. Right. And Magnum is, and but, uh, in the reboot, unlike in the original, uh, Magnum actually knows Robin Masters because Robin Masters was, um, was, a, was he a photographer or a writer attached to their SEAL unit for a while or something? It's something, he, Matt, Robin Masters was traveling with them. It's how he got stories from them because he was he was attached to them for some period in time. So, whereas in the original TV show, if I recall correctly, Robin Masters was a um, nope, nobody nobody Magnum didn't actually know who he was until the very end, and it was revealed to be Higgins. Higgins was Robin Masters. That was his pseudonym. Right. But in the but new one, we have a Robin Masters and a and a Higgins. 
Right. And Magnum and all of the guys in, in Magnum's unit had met Robin Masters, who is somehow never on um, the island. Um, I, I'm giving the new Magnum a chance. I, it's not my favorite thing ever, but it, um, I'm trying to give it a chance. So, uh, yeah. I've not watched it. Um, I've just seen a couple of synopsises, so I haven't decided how I feel about it yet. But, yeah, so... The idea of... Also, of Tony just being there... Like, what if... Tony and Steve um, kind of hit it off when he was an agent afloat. And they have a relationship going on. And Steve asked Tony to meet him in Hawaii after this mission. And um, he arrives a little bit early, or Steve is going to be late. And um, John invites his son's boyfriend over to the house. And Tony is there when Hess arrives. Oh, like just there at the house, like he's just hanging out. Yeah, yeah, that'd work. Yeah, he's a guest. He's he's in the guest room. Actually, even, like, I think they made Higgins a hot woman just to make Higgins a hot woman. I don't think it was to cut down on the slash at all. Because in the original, I don't think anybody was slashing Higgins and um, no. Magnum. Yeah, yeah. All they all they had to do to make sure there wasn't any slash fic was to ensure that they kept a similar type casting for Higgins. <laughs> and they didn't. Um, they gave us a no, hot ass, went... badass woman instead. So yeah. Who really yeah, probably could, yeah. honestly is out of Magnum's league. He's not getting any of that. I'm pretty sure Higgins is out of everybody's league on the entire island. And and if she gives and, and, and if she gives him some of that, it'll just be so he can mourn the rest of his life having never given it again. <laughs> Pity. As go right to the corner. Go right to the corner. <laughs> you <laughs> Wait, the original some- Higgins? That's what she means is the original. Yes. So go oh, right to the corner. Oh, corner, corner. That's what she means is the original. Yes, yes. We're all horrified now. Some things in your terrible, terrible late night fanfic trolling you do not need to share with us. <laughs> no, 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 Nothing no, Elliot's is not. Bad Naples door. And Ellie, you can go get in the corner too. And you guys better not be talking to each other either. <laughs> Agreed. I vote for Higgins being a lesbian. No, literally nothing is worse than Snapledore. Oh. 
Well, it's a good oh. thing you know where you're going. It's a good thing you know where you're going. Oh, girl, boy, whatever. <laughs> We're just what gonna call you him dude, and let that be enough. Go get in the corner. What's Maple? Snapple. Oh, what? what? Is, that, is that how that's? <laughs> no, there should be two that... there. Yeah. 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 Okay. That, that, like, there should See, yeah. Snapple is not ruined by Snapledor. So, no, it's not. Do not make those associations. Do not make those associations because I'm I'm literal enough to have missed that entirely until now. Thank you. Not. Okay. So, um, I, you know, there are inter- interesting dynamics because if Steve Tony Holmes, it's one thing. But if like Tony is already really good friends with Steve's dad. It's like, is he my replacement? I'm I, I'm not on board with this. <laughs> you got you got you know John giving Tony dad vibes, <laughs> and he's like, what? No, I'm not sharing my dad. It's bad enough I had to share him with Mary. No. <laughs> and Steve have a whoopee face the whole time. We can't have none of that. If you have horrifying pairings, you might as well just go to the corner and share them there because you're gonna you're headed that direction anyway. <laughs> Note to self, never go into the corner. And there actually is for those of you who are not actually on Discord, we do have a um corner on the Discord server. <laughs> and those I don't know what goes go on. in there and talk to each other. <laughs> have you noticed notice have you noticed this? Yeah, they hang out over there. They post pictures of booze and stuff and half-naked men. It's apparently not the punishment <laughs> we intended it to be. <laughs> Tony Chin would be hot. Except if Steve is on an island, there will be mother shipping. <laughs> yes. They, exactly. could have, they could have a friends with benefits thing until Steve comes around. Of course, that might put a little bit of a damper on... Steve's building his task force. He's like, wait a minute, you fucked who? <laughs> no. Is Can there anybody you who not had sex with that I could put on my task force? <laughs> and Steve and Tony could scratch his chin. I'm like, I'm not sure. I've worked my way through the entire <laughs> HPD. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the single ones, mind you, just the single ones. Um, just the single ones. So I guess you're going to have to recruit some married people. It's like happy birthday, Jim. Do you want to come over and get fucked? <laughs> what a thing to say. <laughs> I never get nice birthday presents like that. No, me neither. No, no. Although when I was in college, me and this dude shared a birthday, um, and going on from like our freshman year forward, um, where if we were both single on our birthday and we weren't going to get any. That we were going to hook each other up. <laughs> and oddly, and I'm not saying it was planned, but we were both single <laughs> on our birthday every year. 
Just saying. <laughs> After my birthday, I'll look around, get me a boyfriend. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so let's pick a direction and plot it. You pick, pick a pick a direction. I'm a, I'm gonna throw the ball at you. Pick a direction. Okay, pick um, your possibility. Okay, let's go with Tony is an NCIS agent at Pearl, and he has received a tip that Victor Hess is on the island, and he finds out where Victor Hess is, and he's following him around, and he follows him to John McGarrett's house. He gets a check done on it and finds out that Victor Hess has just entered a cop's house without knocking. What's he do? Well, um, assuming he learned from past issues, he would call for backup, and then he would go to try to assess the situation to see if there are exigent circumstances that would require him to intervene. Because at this point, if he doesn't know John, he has no way of knowing if Hess is about to do something nefarious or if he's meeting with an accomplice. Right? Right. So he can't assume, he can't take the the chance on assuming that John's in danger. He would have to make the, uh, allow for the possibility that John is, because someone has been helping Hess get around the island. So he has to allow for the possibility that John's a corrupt cop. So he would call, I think, for backup from NCIS, and he would go to see if he could figure out what was going on. He'd investigate, maybe try to find a window where he can listen. Um, Mm -hmm. And when he sees that John's in trouble, of course, he would have to act. And then there'd be a dead henchman. And I would want Victor Hess left alive. So Hess would have a, um, I don't know, a bullet through his shoulder or something. Was Hess there by himself? No, he was with somebody. Wasn't he? <laughs> now I'm like double checking, like second guessing myself. He had a computer guy, but I thought that there was also one other guy with him. I'd have to watch. So if we're if we're writing this, I'd have to watch the. Um, um, one of the reasons why I like this Tony stumbles across um, thing is that it requires a lot less exposition to explain their past relationship. Um, not right. that it's a problem to write than having a past relationship, but that this particular plot device allows you to just dive right into what's going on, and the only thing you have to explain is how Tony wound up on the island, which isn't really all that much, as opposed to, you know, how did he wind up with NCIS at Pearl Harbor, as opposed to, that's a very small thing, detail to, to cover, as opposed to, you know, the whole history of um The thing, so after I would have to rewatch the first, um, the, the very beginning of that episode. I thought that there were three people in the house, but it could have just been the two. But yeah, there was definitely the guy on the computer that was um, looking for Anton's location. Um, what in the world is a filth? Do I even want to know what a filth is, you guys? Father, I'd like to fuck. What? Like MILF, only filth. 
Bet I'd like to. (laughs) Much better. I'm like, I'm not down for filth with, with, we're talking mothership. Bet I'd like to fuck. Okay, I'm I'm good with that. Because I knew I knew Dad I'd like to fuck that I knew that one. Um, okay, so we've got um, what do we have? I think for like maximum drama and freaking um, Steve out, you'd have Hess already on the phone with Steve when the gun when the gunshots go off. Um, Now, you could tell that whole scene from Steve's point of view. That's probably where I would start that, actually, is it be from Steve's point of view, that Steve's talking to his dad, um, that he's having that whole, that whole thing as it's playing out in canon. It barely gets started. He realizes Hess is there, and then there's gunshots, and then it's explained later to Steve how NCIS stumbled across what was going on. I think Steve's point of view there is certainly the most emotional. I think it'd be very impactful I, to tell it from his point of view. But I don't think he could get all the way to the island from where are they? In, um, they're in Asia somewhere, aren't they? Um, they're in like South knowing Korea, I think. That. If NCIS is on the scene with that broken phone, Tony's first priority would make sure to get those seals in the field knowledgeable. Well, no, I'm not saying he would he would, he'd be recalled home and not know what's happening. But I mean, they're not going to. No, I mean, someone in the chat did fine. that he wouldn't know what happened to his dad until he got back to Hawaii, and that's no, no. There's no way. No. Well, he that would he know get all the way home fine. without knowing. Yeah. The first thing Tony would do is assume that because remember Steve's location is compromised at this point. So the first thing Tony would do, actually, would be to get on the phone with um, whoever was in charge of that SEAL team's mission and make sure they knew that they needed to send support in. Because, because they've people. already been – they hit. They got hit with a missile. Mm-hmm. So um, Steve might – Korea, they're in Korea. Immediately that, yeah, they're in Korea. Um, they may not know immediately. Steve might not know instantly that his father's fine because Hess had people, had somebody with a helicopter and, a, and an RPG um, out there. So he, but once his team is extracted, he would, I think he would be briefed immediately that his father was fine. I see, going into the room, Hex has a gun. I, and there are two other players, I think that his instinct would be to put two in Hess's chest. Because he's a threat, and he needs to neutralize that threat before he does anything else. Then the henchman. Yeah. If there is a henchman. Yeah. And then he has the computer guy to interrogate. Yeah, I agree. Because... Cops aren't trained to shoot to wound. That's not the way they're trained. For good, very good reason. 
it gets people killed. Which always and his immediate goal must be to neutralize the two people with guns. That's Hess and the henchman. And I want you to know I'm currently using finger guns. <laughs> finger guns, yes. Um, which actually, that was something that really irritated me about the episode, um, was it Aaliyah? Where Ziva confronted Tony about killing Michael Rivkin, that he could have shot him in the leg or the knee or something. I'm like, what? No, he couldn't. That's, that's, that's just stupid. That's just not the way cops. That's just and that they, they, they have been they how the she chest. was trained either. Yeah, it definitely would not have been how she was trained. <laughs> Finger guns. I don't think that's actually what Discord intended those to be used for. But we'll call them finger guns. Well, this is a gaming server, so I think probably yes. <laughs> I mean, they are finger guns. I say it was just more like over yeah. there kind of thing. It's points that's right. Sure that's what finger guns. I'm pretty sure that it's called points right. Point right. Yeah. Dark says, just sure, just wound the key on trained assassin who's murdered a fed. Yeah, that's that. That's a good idea. But yeah, I do think he would take Hess out, and he would do his level best to take out the henchman too. Um, and then he would still have the computer guy for interrogation. It's like, oh look, we've got a spare. Those are excellent finger finger guns, Dark. Congratulations. <laughs> we have a lot of dark. We have we have I think we have three people with dark in their in their in their in their name just tonight in the chat room. Yeah, I I I call one Sin and I'm gonna call one Seraphina and then I'm gonna call the other one Dark because I can't actually say the other one's like full name. I can't say that E word. So <laughs> that's how I'm gonna go with it from now on. Evanescence. Sin it's 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 Seraphina and Dark. Sin, <laughs> Seraphina and Dark. Yep, you won the it. Dark War, Evanescence. There you go. Because I can't say that word <laughs> with any kind of skill. There's no telling what will come out of my mouth. I'm not even gonna try. There's like that group, there's that, that musical group called that, and I, I could never say their name. Okay, I like so Tony. Music, though. It's creepy. So Tony, so Steve gets picked up in South Korea. They get taken wherever they go to um, debrief. He, you know, of course, he already knows his father is fine. I'd have to watch the timing on that episode to see if um, there's time for Tony to get on the phone with him and say, you know, I've got your father, just get yourself back home alive kind of thing. Um, and then what? And then what? Well, John's there to answer questions. And so um, the first question I think Steve is going to have is, um, uh, dude, you've never called me champ in your life, so um, – we we need to have a talk. <laughs> what what were you saying? What the hell? What the <laughs> hell? Well, but John is going to be thoroughly investigated by thoroughly interrogated, not interrogated, interviewed. That's the word. He's going to be thoroughly interviewed by NCIS too, and he might be in protective custody. He probably is in protective custody when by the time Steve gets back. 
And if John is worried about his family, they might have Mary in protective custody too. I think that the governor used John's death as an excuse to start the task force. I think John being held hostage would just would just be as much of a viable excuse to for her to say, "Hey Steve, um if you're going to be on the island with your dad, would you like to clean up this place for me?" You know. Um and we were actually talking about the governor's motivations and how they're just not really clear. And I really don't know what she was doing with Wofat. Um, but it could be, because we know that John has some kind of relationship with the governor. There, there's something going on there. Um Oh. John is having some kind of relationship with the governor. While he might not be willing to tell just any Dom, Tom, Dick, and Harry that his son's working in fugitive recovery as a Navy SEAL, he might tell his lover. Oh. Yeah. But the Hess brothers were just hired guns for Wofat. Stumbled into the problem. Versus it all coming down because of Steve's actions. It's because I kind of feel like Wofat would have sent the Hess brothers after John McGarrett regardless. Because he was investigating the governor, or he was investigating Wofat, right? Right. Well, it's not what the whole toolbox thing is about. But I thought that, I thought that. John McGarrett was also investigating the governor. He had so he was at least suspicious of her, wasn't he? I don't know. I don't remember. And I can't my makes, CBS All Access, so I can't watch the first season again. Motherfucker, I lost my pin cap. Is it on? Is it on? Is it on CBS All Access? It is, but uh, I don't have a login here right now. Well, I do have a login, but I canceled my prescription, my, my subscription. In favor of Acorn, but I do think Hawaii Five O is actually on Netflix, the first couple of seasons, which is all I would need anyway. Yeah, basically you need to first like check spot check a couple of things and then watch like the first two episodes. Um, I tend to just from a simplicity perspective prefer to write it that Doris is actually dead. I found that whole plot line with her to be ridiculous. Um, it felt contrived and tacked on. Um, but. You know, you could spend you could spend that kind of like a variety of ways how you wanted to achieve that. But I always felt like now, see if if Tony if Steve gets off for the task force anyway, and if he's kind of getting to know Tony, and he might see, I felt like the task force always felt to me like a distraction. Like, because the first thing the next governor did was come in and go, "This whole immunity and means thing is stupid. We're keeping the task force, but this offer she made you guys." Is, out, is, is crazy. And I have to think that the shenanigans that they pulled that first year were a big distraction. Big distraction. And her immunity and means thing never had any chance of holding up in court. So it was always an odd thing that she would make that offer. Um, 
so I think that if like Steve ran that by Tony, it would like 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 probably make the hair on the back of his neck stand on end. Like she did what? Why would she offer you that? Because if any case got appealed outside of the state of Hawaii, it's going to get overturned. Because that, that, that immunity thing just doesn't work. So I think that it would be an interesting way to get the governor on Tony's radar is when she offers the task force to Steve. Because he would be like, now what now? I just don't think that's how that works. I'm not sure if I'm talking to nothing or if she's eating a cookie. I'm here. I have a hunch I'm it's here. the cookie. I have a hunch it's the cookie. I've I lost Kira to a cookie. It was inevitable, folks. It was inevitable. It's Girl Scout season. You can't hear me? You can't hear me? I can okay. hear you now. Okay. There was something wrong with my mic. It, it was you know how that little box it wasn't hooked all the way into the box. Ah. Oh. I was moving things I around. Was, um I thought it was cookie number three. I do have I have eaten half the cookie. I don't remember when. Okay. But I am actually on um Netflix. I was looking to see if they had like the Why can't I get this to work? Okay. Five O is not on Netflix. I thought it used to be. Is it on Hulu? Look at me, that's Hulu activity Probably crap. Current season. Okay, it looks like I am logged in, bitch face. It even said my name with the top. No, I don't want to do that. Who is all time asking me to do that live TV? Like, I'm going to spend $45 a month on that. I'm not seeing it, actually, outside of the live TV option. It says watch with live TV, and that's the only option they have for Hawaii Five O now on Hulu. Well, I have, I have, um, I have, I have CBS All Access, so I'll just have to, I'll just have to make it work. I think it's always like risky to have you. Although it could be that they'll, um, oh, I own the first season of Hawaii Five O. How? Deeply unfortunate. Why would I do that to myself? Probably wasn't available <laughs> on a streaming service when I bought it. Has Hulu moved to just live TV? No, no, no. They have no, no, no. Hulu has no. Hulu has more than just live TV. They have their standard streaming yeah. plan, but they have they have a live TV option as well. 
yeah, it's it's not the same thing at all. Um, but apparently that's the only way you can watch your Wi-Fi on Hulu is to get the live TV option. But it's cheaper to just get CBS All Access than to add on Hulu live TV. Um, oh, look, okay. a, new, a, so, a new season of Voice has started. Hmm. The Voice. Oh, wait. I'm like, I have seven episodes of The Voice to watch? Well, that's a lot of catching up time. You got a week. I do. I have all the blind auditions. That's awesome. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, I do think that John would probably be in protective custody, um, maybe even in a hospital room, because he did get beat to shit. Yeah, he did get beat up a little bit. Um, and actually, it could be causing quite an interesting standoff between um, the HPD um, fueled, you know, backed by the governor and the Navy, um, because the Navy's keeping John under wraps, and the HPD slash the governor's not happy about it. Hmm. I mean, the way that the direction you'd go with that would really depend upon what you wanted to accomplish with the story. Because um, if you're just using Saving John as a plot device to get Steve and Tony together, you can wrap things up pretty quickly in a, in a short story. Um, but if it becomes like a bigger, more plot-driven thing to try to help uncover what the governor's up to, um, Steve actually taking the task force could be a whole, almost an undercover thing where he's like takes it to figure out what the governor's up to. Yeah, I think that'd be a very good idea. Because and and John could then share all of his suspicions about Wofat and what's been going on, all the things he's investigating. Um and um the undercover thing to work for Steve to be taking on the task force as a ruse. Um, which I think he would wind up running the task force. But if he wanted the task force to still happen, and this is this is where that thing is, you have to really ask yourself. Um, the question was up further in the chat. Well, then how do you get the task force to happen? Well, that this that actually is a very good question because the question is, does the task force still happen? And this is where you kind of I think if you're writing an AU that is or it's canon divergent at such a critical point in the development of the task force, you have to make sure it makes sense that the task force does happen because it could actually be completely reasonable for it not to happen. And I know that that like answer probably makes some people's colon clench, but just it's a possibility. (laughs) It's, it's a realistic possibility that if John McGarrett doesn't die, that Steve would have no reason to leave the Navy and go and take that task force. But you could also, that's why you have to, because it's a realistic possibility, it's why you have to look at the reason, be careful about the reason why he would do it and that it not be some kind of pro forma thing. Like he just jumps off the boat and agrees to it anyway. Because it was the only way, he took the task force, it was because it was the only way he was going to be able to investigate his own father's death. That was his impetus for taking the task force. So he would have to have another equally compelling reason to want to do it because he arrived in the island having no intention of taking doing that. It wasn't until he was stonewalled in the investigation that he took the governor up on her offer. Um, 
but the investigation into the whole situation would actually be the NCIS and HPD wouldn't have the ability to stonewall. It would be Tony and whoever's in charge of um, that situation. Um, but who would be stonewalling the governor? And she might try to reach out to Steve in that door. Because Which would make them all very suspicious. Even though John is HPD, he was attacked for his connection to a Navy SEAL, which would make what happened right. to John more NCIS's jurisdiction than the HPD's jurisdiction. Because it was, even though it was an attack on a civilian, um, it fundamentally was about a Navy operation, which means that I think, I think it, I, to me, it's pretty clear the NCIS always had jurisdiction over what happened to John. Um, I don't know. I don't think at his age he would have still been. I don't think at his age he would have been, no. But if, if he was former Navy, that's even another reason why he, um, that NCIS had, had solid footing to be on that case. It actually makes me think that they never intended to put in Hawaii Five-0 into the NCIS universe because um, they overlooked something that would have been major an ex- who had jurisdiction. And that would have been a really excellent backdoor pilot. Yeah, it really would have been. Um, yeah, I don't know how a Navy reservist managed to drive a, a a car onto a ship and not get investigated by by, by NCIS. Just because I don't think even the governor could have prevented that. She should not have been able to prevent that. Was that a well, Navy ship? Was, it, yeah. Or just a cargo ship? No, it wasn't Navy. It was it was a Chinese vessel. Still. Um, but he still, as a reservist, NCIS would have been like, what are you doing? Dude. Actually, it's because Steve stayed in as a reservist, which were, it's not 100, it's, it's pretty clear he was a reservist, at least for some period of time at NCIS. I would think the Navy would have had an opinion about some of his shenanigans on the island. I'm just saying. But the task force would not be a way around. And if the, if the task force acts, the governor's task force is no kind of way around a federal agency. It, no. A, a state task force would not trump a federal agency ever. Um. I think missing for a while actually would would severely um, compromise Steve. Um, well, I, yeah, I, I I think there are, if 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 that is a method of getting the task force t- together, I think there are, are ways to accomplish that without. Um, a hostage situation and probable torture. Yeah, because I don't. Because the whole point is. Well, the whole point of this 
particular plot drift is that Tony Genozo saves McGarrett, <laughs> John McGarrett. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but if you did want to have, you know, I, I the thing is, is that I think John being missing and NCIS looking for John, um, although why they would have any kind of jurisdiction if John is actually HPD and the connection to the Navy, to the Navy case, John being leveraged to, um, prevent them from getting a gun runner is what gave NCIS um, would give them jurisdiction about what happened to John. But if John just disappears, that would be HPD's territory. So the jurisdiction, like a, a, a canon jurisdiction is fucked up all to hell and gone. But in any case, um, Steve would be really emotionally compromised if his father were missing. And I don't think he'd be focused enough to set up the task force. I'm not on board with Tony being a damsel in distress. I don't mind Tony. Well, she did say get them out. He, I mean, I don't mind Tony getting infected. Yeah. I just like I like him to rescue himself. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I. It's still. I, I, I think that. Um, there are ways to make the task force come into being that you just have to acknowledge. I think it's just look at what, why Steve would take the task force if his father's not dead. Because where Steve was in canon, the only reason Steve went into the reserves and came home was because his father died. So he would have to have some different impetus to take those actions, to leave the Navy, to come home, to take the task force. If you want those same series of events to play out, you have to give a different reason. It's not just going to happen. Once you take away his father's death as the inciting factor, it's not just going to happen. That's where it, it would bring false if you don't give it some other reason. And the governor could make the offer. Steve could turn it down. And then he mentions it to Tony. And Tony's like, are you fucking kidding me? Why would she give you immunity and means? That's wacky. And then they get, um, they have the whole um, discussion, and that's when John gets involved and explains his, he's been trying to keep Steve out of this, which I think was foolish, but he explains the whole thing about Doris being killed and the things he's been investigating, and then Steve could then say that he's going to take it, but he's going to be doing it to get close to the governor so he can keep an eye on her and investigate her from closer to her own office. Um, I like that. Which puts Steve in a more um, responsible law enforcement role than he was depicted as being in canon. Um, I think you could have John injured. Um I think it could go either way, whether you want John injured or not. I'm not sure it makes much of a difference. Um, Steve is an officer. He can move into the reserves. Um, due to um, emotional hardship that he was compromised on a mission because of his father's safety and that would fly. He's an officer. He's not someone who's who's bound up in enlistment. Yeah. 
he said he doesn't have to meet any kind of enlistment requirements. And the Navy would want to keep him in any form they could because they, they've invested a lot of money in him. So they could say, okay, go into the reserves because we don't want you to outright resign. And what, if I was writing this, I would actually um, – I would move McGarrett into NCIS and him take yeah, the I, task force as an undercover assignment. Yeah, I think I would too because it's a pretty easy path for somebody like Steve who's been naval intelligence and um, fugitive recovery. He basically has some of the foundation to be an NCIS agent, although he would need like three months in Georgia um, training. But um, they do spend a lot of money to train a SEAL, um, but they still they don't. It's not that he can still get out if he wants to. Um, Steve did come to the island to reservist. He left. He went into the reserves when he came to the island. So that was. He, he, I don't know when he actually resigned from the Navy, if he did in canon, but he starts off in the reserves. And in any case, that was – sorry, I was answering a question in the, in the chat room. But what could happen as part of the cover, if I were structuring a cover for this, is I would have it be that um, John is put as, – as the reason why he goes to the governor is that the um, – He's angry because NCIS has put his father into protective custody and won't tell him where his father is, and um, that he is pissed off about their high-handed um, actions, and that he wants to investigate what his father was looking into and try to figure it out on his own. And then it becomes a matter of she's got her hook into him. You can investigate what's going on, um, and I don't care what NCIS has to say about it. And then it puts him in a confrontational position with Tony on the surface, and then you'd have to have, like, all these clandestine meetings and stuff, which would be lots of fun to write. Because what's not fun <laughs> about a clandestine meeting? Especially if people get naked at some point. <laughs> Especially if they get naked at some point. <laughs> naked! <laughs> and he could actually, like, if... um. Yeah, hide it. Like, if it comes up that he's meeting with this NCIS agent and the governor asking about it, he could say, well, you know, I'm in the reserves and um, we just we try keeping it down, but um, he's my boyfriend. <laughs> so, you know, cause that's a really good reason to hide that versus um, him being part of NCIS. I guess it really depends on who you're meeting in this clandestine meeting because there are some people I would not want to get naked with. On a for real. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I think there's lots of ways you could go with the idea. Um, but I do think you have to poke at how the task force gets set up once John McGarrett lives because that that motivator is obliterated by John surviving. So it's just happening anyway. It feels would feel like an, a continuity issue to me. Like, well, but why? Well, because I got the impression to the governors. I mean, she said she wanted to clean up the island, that it was corrupt. 
um, there being an internationally wanted gun runner on her island would be enough. Um, she nearly killed an HPD officer to realistically request this, but um, why pick Steve? Um, it seemed very. It seemed like a very. Um, well, in canon, I think it's because she wanted to keep an eye on him. But more, I, I honestly think that at some level, she wanted him to kill Wo Fat, so she could get out of whatever she was having to do. And maybe it's a distraction, but maybe it's also she's kind of hoping that Steve will solve her problem for her. Kill two birds with one stone. It's really good for her reputation to have this this tough on crime task force going, being run by um, someone who is um, strong, brave, and really good looking and heroic to be on the news. Um and also, maybe he'll take out Wo Fat before she has um, before she gets any deeper and she can't get out. I like that as a motivation. Like it's that. that she's actually secretly hoping that whoever takes the task force and Steve might be have enough of a reputation as being, you know, Steve, um, to um, make her think that he'll be successful at bringing Wo Fat down. Because Wo Fat by the end of season one has no reason for her. He's whatever, whatever he was doing with her, which is never really quite clear. Um, he no longer has any use for her. So maybe she does know that her role in the organization is coming to a close and she's set loose this, um, this highly trained, (laughs) One man war loose on her island in the hopes that he will take out Wofat before Wofat takes her out. Well, honestly, Dark, there is no, there's nothing metaphorical about the loaded gun that she gives Steve McGarrett when she gives him the task force. I mean, she literally gave him a license to hunt and kill Victor Hess. And I kind of also thought that that immunity and means line that she said was basically her way of telling him, if you kill him, I won't let you go to jail for it. He took it to mean the whole task force, but I think she was telling him... um, Go kill that guy. You've already been pardoned for it. And I think it means because she had feelings for John, and she might have feelings for John. Maybe John was never supposed to get killed. I mean, I thought it was pretty clear from... The content. Maybe I'm remembering the first season correctly, but I thought it was pretty clear from the contents of the of John's toolbox that he was suspicious of her. 
Um, But that wouldn't, him being suspicious of her would not preclude them having been in a relationship. He actually could have been suspicious of her because of things he encountered during the course of their relationship. And it could have been that John was never supposed to get hurt. It could be that she even um, became more compromised as a means to protect him. And they killed him anyway. But once that has to that house, um, because they knew that Garrett had Anton in, in custody or was going to acquire him, and, and there was no way around it. Right. So he knew something. Somebody knew something. Because they had a lot of certain knowledge. Um but the whole you have several things that are immediately changed by John being alive. Steve would arrive on the island still active Navy. He would not be a reservist when he arrives. I thought he was still active Navy when he arrived to begin with, and that he went but into he, the reserves in order to take the task force. When he, yeah, right. That's that was my impression too. But the wiki says that he arrived a reservist, but I don't know if that's accurate. My impression was that he went into the reserve so he could take the task force. But, but in any case, he's not got that impetus of his father's death to drive him into the reserves. So you have to figure out um, what would put him in the reserves or put him in NCIS. And, well, I think he could still be a reservist in the NCIS. Um, Yeah, he was on leave for the funeral, but he could take leave like because he's been he's been compromised. I mean, he literally thought he heard the murder of his father on the phone in the middle of a mission. This is somebody that's going to have to come back in. He's going to have to be evaluated. Um, there's some psychological issues at play um, because they don't let high dollar military assets like him go into the field if they're not 100 percent certain that he's, that he's got his A game on. Yeah, I mean, I think he would probably have to go through some kind of required therapy, at least one session, to make sure he's not, I don't know. And so, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, John sent Steve, um, Steve away, and Steve went from from school to the Navy, and he never really came home. Um in canon, his his um, his motivation for staying on the island is is revenge. Um, but you could easily say that you know that he just won that that moment when he thought his dad was dead, that it was that it was life changing, and that he um, he could just be asked to be stationed at Pearl. Um, like in training or whatever, or and then maybe or not. It was just that he wants to come home because he he wants his dad, and then he almost lost him, and and that could be enough. Yeah. And maybe he maybe he won't say let let, let I'm gonna spend a year or two in the reserves and and be with my dad for a while because this was fucked up, and then John has this whole thing going on, and Tony says, well, why don't you? You know, come into NCIS, um, and um, 
you know, spend some time there. And then the thing is, is he does have to go to um, in NCIS. There's like a six week thing that you can do. That one guy did it on NCIS New Orleans. He went to what? NCIS training for like six weeks. Yeah, um, if you don't need to do the full law, I mean, I don't know what specifically which course he went to, but the the, the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center, um, typically the full course is several months, but if somebody has other law, uh, federal training, they would just need to ha- take the courses specific to NCIS procedures and stuff. And that would be I in Georgia. Them, in Georgia. I watched the deleted mm-hmm. scene on YouTube um, where Mary is at the funeral. And um, I don't remember this being in the canon, but apparently she's a drug addict. She was a drug addict. And in, in this scene, Steve is telling her, you know, he was fussing at her because she's come to the funeral. Hi. And, um, and she said, why can't you just be normal and say, hi, how are you? How is your job? And so Steve goes through like this whole put upon thing where he goes, "Hi, how are you? How was your job?" And she says, "I got fired." <laughs> but that one of the things he tells her is that um, she tells him that, she, that he doesn't need to judge her, and he says that um, he's the one that kept their father from finding out that she went into rehab, and he's the one that put her in rehab, and he's the one that took care of her. Um, and so he does absolutely have the right to <laughs> to judge her. Because he was the one keeping her dad from finding out that she was a drug addict. I'm going to judge you because I've been covering for your ass. So there. Right. And and, and, and it's on YouTube because I was actually looking for the scene, the opening scene, and it's not on YouTube anywhere. I looked for I, I looked for quite a while. Um But I do like the idea of Steve going into um, NCIS um, and Tony breaking the hell out of Rule 12. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the first thing I thought is when he has that conversation with Gibbs. Gibbs says, you breaking Rule 12? And Tony's like, every damn yes, night. Yes, I am. <laughs> every chance I get. Not sorry, boss. Not sorry at all. <laughs> I'm, breaking, I'm breaking the fuck out of it sometimes twice on the weekends. So there. I am tempted, um, but um, <laughs> that, uh, rule Tony twelve is never if, never date a coworker. No, but that would be funny if, if Tony's like, "I'm sorry, boss. Once I moved to Hawaii, I decided to forget your rules. I intentionally I've forgot been making, them." I've been making my own rules, boss. Nice. And the first rule is mind your own business. <laughs> <laughs> my second rule is the only good rule that Gibbs taught me was to always carry a knife. <laughs> Still following that one. That's rule two. On that rule two now. <laughs> We're married. <laughs> you don't date after you. My coworker. True.
Yeah, we're on the 90 second. Uh, I like that. I kept one through nine. What more do you want from me? <laughs> there were too many All the good ones were in one through nine. Up. I agree. I totally agree. So we're out of time, but I did like the idea of um, of Steve uh, working with NCIS and being undercover, whether he's actually NCIS or whether he's just been kind of seconded to NCIS. Yeah. That would work. Um, and um, then doing the task force and investigating the governor. We're out of time. We've got 22 seconds. Say good night. Good night, everyone. Thank you.